0: You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: And we add another lad to the mix as we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with Rick Ball, Flames play-by-play for Sportsnet. Hi, Rick. How's it going, man?
2: Hey, gentlemen. It's uh, terrific, especially hearing Loverboy as my intro music because when Uh I was in high school basketball, that was our warm ups album. Came out right in grade 12. And it was uh, nonstop lover boy working for the weekend, um, you know, one after the other, uh, you know, doing layups, yeah. run drills, high shorts back then <laughs> in the 80s, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You, got the, you got the high shorts. You got to show the ladies the legs, right? They mm-hmm. want to see that when you're Oh,
1: maximum three-inch inseam. Maximum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Very hilarious
2: cool. because it went from that to the shorts that were barely shorts anymore yeah. <laughs> hanging down around your knees. How did that happen? When did that happen? Why didn't that happen when I needed some coverage?
3: <laughs> but, um,
2: well, now the shorts it are just ba- brought back fond memories.
1: The shorts are back in, like the shorter shorts. Now, if it goes down to your knees, that's no no longer the style.
2: That's not cool anymore.
1: Not cool anymore. You got to show some of that quad.
2: <laughs> you need Passions it. do change. Yeah. I, I've had this conversation with my kid over the years, uh, back uh, years ago when he wanted to get a tattoo, and I said, mm. uh, "Well, here's the thing about tattoos—they're." Uh, so why do you want a tattoo? He goes, they're trendy. I go, that's the worst reason to get a tattoo. Oh. <laughs> they're trendy. Because I, I want something permanent that'll be right. a trend. I said, that's like getting bell bottoms permanently attached to your calves, <laughs> you know?
1: Just in case you ever need bell bottoms. <laughs> those last yeah. a very long time. As a, someone who's thirty, I, I remember lots of bell bottoms. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's no. now twenty
2: and he has a tattoo, by the way. Oh, good. Is it the is bell bottoms haven't happened yet? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned a warm-up album, so this is uh, no mixtapes. You just threw on the Loverboy album. That was the go-to. Loverboy.
2: Yeah, I remember we were in the. Uh, <laughs> I just popped to mind here in that song. We used to. You know, before we head out for warm-up, officially, we'd sit in the locker room. And, of course, you're in a high school gymnasium locker room. is a cinder block prison cell, basically, <laughs> right? Yep. Lockers in it. So we'd fire the basketball around in the locker room, like a la, you know, Harlem Globetrotters behind the back, passes, blind, mm-hmm. no-look passes, and everybody would fire around. And we had this guy that played for us. He was, he was a great guy, but he, he never played. Um, you know he was like the he was the tenth man on the bench, and we only had nine players, so that's hard to do. But that was him. <laughs> but he wore glasses. <laughs> he wasn't looking one time, and somebody fired in the ball, drilled him right between the eyes, and like out of a movie, the glasses broke right in the middle. Like you couldn't you couldn't set this up for a movie, and if, and they. They, they, they kind of fell aside and they swung on his ears, yeah. and he was of course angry. I, I I have not laughed that. I don't think I I stopped laughing until <laughs> halftime at that point. Because we go out for a warm up and he's not there, and I'm like, "Where's Steve?" And, he, and then about two minutes later, it comes running out, <laughs> like Revenge of the Nerds, big piece of white tape <laughs> holding his- a. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The only thing would have been uh, impressive is if he had been called into the game and needed to make a clutch shot with the glasses, being the. uh,
2: Yeah. He made it into a game. A bunch of us fouled out. (laughs) And (laughs) we're up by, I think we're up by six points with a minute to go. So (laughs) the coach goes, Steve, you're in. He goes, and he used to, he played, he played too, right? So he goes, whatever you do, do not shoot the basketball We're eat the Block. Oh no. So Just... if the ball comes to you, we pass it around. No shooting. We've got a six point lead minute to go. <laughs> so they put the press on ball, gets inbounds, goes to the point guard, then right to him. He dribbles, oh. he dri he takes one step over center court and fires up a hail Mary. Oh no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> three seconds off the clock. I don't know. I guess he thought it was his chance. I'm in. Yeah. i got to show him what I can do. Well, that was that. Did you win and the yes, game? The last time he played. We we hung on. Oh, thanks.
4: God. Thank God. Okay. But no he, thanks he to him.
2: are yeah, just,
1: just
4: giving away free possessions
1: yes. here, Steve. Yeah. He right stapled back to the bench for the rest of the season. Yeah, nice try there, Yeah, I
2: think, I think we played with four players for the last four years. Settle down. down man.
1: Steve, yeah. you're done. All right, yeah. goggles. Settle down. That's enough of you. Okay. Uh, where are you, Rick? Where are you hanging out? How's the summer been for you, man?
2: great i'm in uh, i'm sitting in my office at home right now but uh, we went to we did the whole uh johnny tourist thing uh in may went for two and a half weeks to disney world so really? i was in florida for nice. the better part of a month did the did disney world and universal and i've had my fill of roller coasters for the next <laughs> five decades i think if i live that long what, uh, it was your, a lot of fun
4: what was your favorite part of universal
2: well, Velocicoaster is unbelievable. Oh, okay. Right. The, 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 the Jurassic
4: yeah. Park one. Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I'm not a huge roller coaster guy. I don't mind them, but it's not like I've been on every roller coaster, but that's maybe the best ride I've ever been on. It's incredible. I think we did it six times. So, um, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I love yeah the, the, whole, the whole experience was great. You know, Disney World's great. Universal's better for, it's more of a ride focused place. Mm-hmm. They have that. They've got the new, uh, harry potter roller coaster haggards or whatever it's called mm-hmm. um and they've got the you know the old hulk coaster still there there's lots going on and of course disney World is just cool it's extremely expensive yeah. um but uh but well worth it so we went there on, on uh, our honeymoon way back when many many years ago mm-hmm. we were very young i got married young mm-hmm. and then I'll, i've always wanted to get back and haven't been able to do it for whatever reason it's never worked out so it was a chance to get down there we were actually going to go last september uh, but there was a hurricane that blew in. Oh yeah! Um, like literally the day we're supposed to be leaving, that big hurricane was coming up the coast, and I, I was able to cancel everything, so we rescheduled. So yeah, it was
3: fun. On
1: to the next. Uh, rest of the summer looks good for you too. Obviously, things have changed around here for the Calgary Flames, and we're kind of starting yeah. to get excited and that type of thing. But what's the rest of the summer like for uh, Rick here?
2: We uh, you know hanging out at the like I always feel as a guy who. Spends most of the year traveling as his job. It's nice to stay home, especially in the sort of window. This is the best time of the year to be in Calgary. The weather's the best, right? We get, you know, four and a half or five months of good weather. It's good to be home. We used to take a swing through BC, go see friends and family. We'll do that at some point in August. And uh yeah, and then back to work. Looking forward to it. Second straight year. We've got major changes Mm -hmm. for the Calgary Flames. So um no shortage of off season stories with this franchise over the last couple of years. So I'm curious to see how it's all gonna play out. I'm actually pretty excited.
1: It's, it's crazy because now that the new coaching staff is in place and Mark Savard and Dan Lambert are part of it, and obviously the change of general manager and Ryan Huska taking over, and there hasn't been a lot of player personnel changes, but that all happened last year. Like, Tofoli for Sharon Govich is obviously the big one. They added some youth. We expect to see more Coronado and Hansik. Like, the big thing here for me is that, you know, every new season feels like a new chapter. But this feels like it's going to be a completely different story. Like this feels like almost a clean slate for the Flames. Does it feel the same to you?
2: Hundred percent. Last year, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I mean, and even then, they still finished ahead in the overall standings of Florida, who went all the way to the finals. So, I don't think you need to squint very hard to see a scenario where, if nothing else were to change, the Flames are a playoff team this year, right? Because I just, you know, I think Markstrom was going to be much better than he was for the first half of last season. It, you know, Does anybody doubt that Huberto's back to at least a pointy a game player? Would you be surprised if he gets 90 points this season? I wouldn't be. Um, you know, new coach, maybe a new uh, energy in the room uh, in terms of uh, just the overall dynamic on the team and the mentality going into the season. We'll see how Ryan Husk, I think he's going to be a terrific coach. We don't know until it plays out, but there's a lot of reasons to think this team just because last year everything that could go wrong did will be better. Uh, and then the potential of making some new deals in terms of uh, players. There's still a lot of question marks with all those UFAs coming up after this season. So what happens with we home and Hannaford and Backlund? And, you know, we, we we've all talked those stories to death at this yeah. point And we won't know until if and when something does happen. Uh, but I just think sheer, through sheer return to the mean, the team is going to be better and should be a playoff team. Uh, and then how they address the, the free agents and, and what they might add to the lineup and inject some youthful enthusiasm. Um, like I said, it should be an exciting year, but until you see a play out on the ice, you never know for sure.
1: Now, you would have had more interactions with Ryan Huska than a lot of people, um, just being around the team, being on the road, that type of thing. What are some of the things about Ryan that you think are going to maybe come to the forefront about who he is as a person now that he's going to be in the spotlight more, doing media every day, that whole thing? Because... We saw a little bit of it. He would, you know, get told to do media every once in a while with, under the last regime. But this is going to be something different, and I'm excited for fans to just kind of get to know Ryan a little bit more. I think he's already got a great impression on everybody here, but to see him in the spotlight is going to be cool.
2: Yeah, he's a terrific guy, and, you know, another guy with Kelowna ties, right? He, he <laughs> coached there for a long time with the Rockets, uh, and also lived there for a long time. It was uh, his home even prior to getting the head coaching job. So uh, even though he's from the Kootenays originally, he's a, he's just a really good person to talk to, you know, down to earth, very um, approachable. Uh, I've got nothing but great things to say about him in terms of just personal interaction. Really, really good guy. And, we'll, you know, and I think he's a terrific coach too. He seems to be very detailed. He's got a really good understanding of what uh, he wants in terms of how he wants the team to play. I think you'll see some changes. He addressed it um, when he was introduced in terms of how they work their defensive zone coverage. You know, you look at the Flames' underlying numbers. I'm not a big fancy stats guy. Not that I don't believe in them. I just don't understand them that well in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Like sometimes you see, you know, when you see something that looks like a formula that uh, – you know, that uh, Stephen Hawking came up with. I'm not going to read through it to try <laughs> to figure out, you know, why the Flames should put this guy with that guy. But what you did see a lot last year was breakdowns. Like, the Flames would do a terrific job um, uh, limiting chances, and then all of a sudden there'd be a 10-beller out of nowhere. They seemed to materialize sometimes out of thin air. Uh, And and my feeling as a layman looking at it is that they played a lot of man coverage and that works great until it doesn't, right? When it breaks down, it's a disaster because all it takes is one guy to fall and there's somebody wide open in front of the net. So I think you're going to see less of that this year. That's my feeling. And I talked to Ryan a bit about this, uh, you know, how his philosophy on how to play defensive zone coverage. And, you know, he just feels the players now are so skilled that that you need to, you can't just stick man. Like that might've worked. 15 years ago when you didn't have the level of skill that you have now in the game. So I think you're going to see them alter the way they play in their own zone. And, um, you know, that that's sort of an X's and O's insight to how he thinks. Um, So I I just feel like he's a, he's extremely detailed. He really understands the game. Uh, There's not going to be any, uh, any stone left unturned in terms of what it's going to take to win from his approach to how he's going to coach the team. And on top of that, he's a terrific guy. So I've got nothing but good things to say. Again, we'll see how it plays out, right? The the great thing about mm. sports is all that doesn't matter if the scoreboard doesn't read the right way at the end of the night. So um, we'll see how that all shakes down when it, when it comes to how they play on the ice. But, uh, you know, based on those things I just mentioned, I have a lot of confidence that it's going to go well.
4: Uh, Rick, uh, the other assistants uh, who's gotten a lot of fanfare is is, uh, Mark Savardo, obviously the former flame, former teammate of Craig Conroy and Jerome McGinless here in Calgary, a hell of a player when he was healthy as well with Atlanta and Boston. just uh, He's going to be running the power play. That's going to be a big boost. But how much of uh, the Mark Savard player are we going to see translate into his coaching style? Obviously, he was a successful coach with Windsor. We spent some time in St. Louis as an assistant as well. Just how much of that game that Savard played do you think is going to translate into his coaching style and then bring it out onto the ice with the flames?
2: Well, I would assume that a lot, Will, because those guys have tons of experience you know, from the side of the guy wearing the skates and the shoulder pads. So I... You know I don't know mark at all, so i, I really can't talk to him as much the like in terms of the guy as I can mm-hmm. Ryan Huska, but I just feel like the uh you know you hire the guys that uh, that you think can coach the way you want the team to play, and that would suggest to me that you hire guys who are gonna coach the way they played right and and try and get the guys to play that way so um i think I think getting getting guys into the organization who have flames pedigree is really important right like having a gimla come back as a in a role in management is terrific you know i mean the greatest flame of all time to get him back mm-hmm. into the fold uh you know is, is you know conroy a long time playing back to as a player as well um you know th- this is all these are all good steps now uh, you got to be able to do the job i strongly believe these guys are very capable of doing the job at a very high level i have, i'm a huge fan of craig conroy and I have no doubt he'll – I'm a huge fan of uh, Brad Tree Living yeah. as well and would have been more than happy to see him stay. But once that appeared to you know not be the case, that it wasn't going to happen, Conroy seemed to me to be the logical case, and I think he was exactly the right hire because he knows the uh, ins and outs of the organization. He's been involved in it for a long time at the management level and prior to that as a player. Uh, he's also an American player, yep. played in Calgary, and stayed – in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after what happened last year with Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, I think that's an important thing. I mean, I know he had an influence clearly on those guys. He was a big reason Gaudreau signed coming out of college, right? He wouldn't have had the fireside chat with him after his season ended. Um, So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but having guys who have flames blood in them uh, in those roles, I think is a really cool um, bonus to, you know, what they bring to the table just in terms of job performance.
4: Uh, we we can we've talked about it. We can still talk about it, but we won't. Obviously, there's the issues around Lindholm, Backlund, Zadorov, all the pending UFAs. But another issue that maybe has gotten it's maybe kicked down the line, and maybe something more to focus on in training camp is is the goaltending. The Flames probably have three. Uh, NHL goaltenders now with Dustin Wolf, uh, assuming that he's ready to take the next step into the NHL. But you also have Dan Vladar, who's uh, who's been a a pretty, pretty steady backup in this league, and as well, he wants to make a next step in this league as well. And his contract just clicked in on July first, obviously. And then there's Jacob Markstrom waiting for a big bounce back from him, and the Flames need that from him as well. But how do you think uh, the goaltending situation is? Be obviously they don't they can they can send Wolf down to the Wranglers, don't have to lose him on anything.
1: Do you know what's crazy. Is the last time. They had three goalies, it didn't work, but I would also argue that any one of the three that could be in yeah. it this year are also better than any of the three that were part of it mm-hmm. last time. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, what does Dustin Wolf have left to prove at this point? Nothing, you know, he's just won everything at every level in terms of personal accolades in that position. You know, been the best goalie in the Western Hockey League in the and major junior hockey not just the whl he's been the best goalie in the american hockey league and the mvp like at some point you got to give the guy a chance the problem is you've got you know you've got established guy as a number one and the guy who's been a pretty good backup as a number two now you know clearly you can move guys right i mean i don't i'm not trying to run mm-hmm. anybody out of town but if they want if they feel wolf is ready to play um there's no reason you they won't be able to trade Dan with the goalie market's soft right now yeah. but um, it's not like they're stuck, they have to have three guys if Wolf proves that he's capable of, uh, of playing at the NHL level. His size is always going to be a question mark. So he's got to prove it at this level. Uh, and, and that's just a reality, and he's had to do that. That's something Wolf has had to fight every step of the way in his career. Um, but there's no reason to think that um, that he's not going to be able to step up and play well at the National Hockey League level because everybody's had the same questions all along the way and he's shot them down. Uh, every time they've been fired at him, and including his first game in the NHL, got a win. So I'm really excited to see how it plays out. And it will not surprise me at all if he's a regular um, with the Flames. It will surprise me if they keep three for a mm-hmm. long period of time. Um, so that either means Wolf goes back down if uh, he still needs some more seasoning in the minors, or they make a deal and we see somebody else move on. But Wait. I don't. I, I, it just seems to me three yeah. goalies is untenable. It just it doesn't work. One guy standing around and practice, mm-hmm. you know, in the corner, yeah, bag and pucks. It, it's just a bad setup.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess like what maybe what's what's a gut feel on on your sense with the bag? I know it it's hard to tell right now and you won't know until you see everybody in camp, but what is your gut feel? Do you think they'll give Dustin Wolf the full run and they end up trading Vladar here?
2: I think they'll start with three. This would be my this strictly just yeah. speculating. Right? Okay. No, I'm not talk to anybody about this. Yeah. I,
3: yeah.
2: I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they start with three. And 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 use and the good thing about Wolf being in town is you can bring him up and down if you want exactly. to do it. At some point, if you, if they feel like okay, this guy can do it at this level too, you you see them make a deal. That'd be my prediction, but who knows?
1: You mentioned it, and uh, just having Jerome around, former Flames blood back in the organization, you love to see it. Like yesterday, they shared a little video, the Flames organization did, of Jerome McGinley just wishing good luck to the Canadian women's soccer team at the uh, World Cup. And it was just like one of those things where you just see him in a little video and you're like, man, I could get used to seeing this all the time. Like I think it's just going to be cool having Jerome around the organization, around the building, as more of a resource, not only for the players, but even for the fans and the media. Just another guy to kind of have around and someone that's so well respected in this city.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, you get, like I said, the, the Flames alumni is really good, yes. right? Like, there's lots of guys who stick around in Calgary, and they have a great alumni. With uh, you know, it's 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 big, and and the guys are really involved. And like I said, Jerome's the greatest Flame of all time. So to get him back involved in the organization is, uh, you know, there's it's it's a it's a no brainer almost. And him and Craig Conroy are really tight. Obviously, um, you know we're going to see more of him probably next year because he's still coaching this year. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I. Like look at, you know, look at look at the Vancouver Canucks. Like, yeah, let's keep the Sedin's in the organization. Yeah. Of course, right? They're the you know the, they're the, the two of the best Canucks of all time. The two best Canucks of all time. I, it makes a lot of sense. You, it's, you can't have you can't have enough of those people around. It'll you know whatever advisor, um you know not that players need advice, but to, you know you got a guy sticking around a Hall of Famer who's able to to talk to players on a daily basis um, in terms of, you know, what his thought process was when he was doing what they're doing. That's an invaluable tool. So I think that, uh, and and then on top of that, there's the PR aspect, right. Yeah. Um, Which is just as big. So yeah, it works on every level as far as I'm concerned.
1: And speaking of which, like this, this has felt like a summer where they're kind of building back up. I I don't want to say goodwill, but but kind of the favor of the market almost, um, and another step in the right direction with Mika Kipersoff, uh jersey retirement being announced earlier in the week. It's going to be in March, in on March second against Pittsburgh. Do you, do you have a um, a memory that comes to mind when you think of Mika Kiprasov? Like there's a million scorpion saves that we could all point to, but is there <laughs> one in particular that maybe stand out to you?
2: Oh gosh, I can't pull out any specific save. I just think about that run to the final, yep. right? You mm-hmm. know, you know he was un- he was unbelievable and you know, picked up as an emergency guy, you know, Mm -hmm, we need a goalie. And then he winds up uh, doing what he was able to do. So that's a no-brainer to me too. And again, honoring your history as a franchise um, is important because I think people need to understand what having a team like the Calgary Flames in your city means to the city, right? There's something, like what is a city exactly? Oh, it could just be a plot of land where people – you know, live or you can have things that tie everybody together. Right. That's the thing about sports. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, you know, a a student, and you all have a common bond Mm. through your sports teams. I don't want to overplay it, but that's the way I feel. That's why the arena announcement was so important too. You know, I understand people have different feelings on, you know, public funds going to sports facilities. Uh, Personally, I've always felt this way, even long before I was doing what I was doing. They're an important part of what, of the fabric of a community. And, you know, having a pro sports team in a world-class facility is big—not just for the team, but for the whole city. Something to be proud of. I'm so excited! Like when that announcement came out in the summertime, and I know that things were very quiet, so I was fairly confident they were going well. Because when people start talking, it usually means they're not. Mm. Um, so I thought we might hear something at some point, and to have that announced—you know—after a season that was a bit of a disappointment on the ice, obviously, and then some of the other things that have happened. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're a Calgary Flames fan. The building's a big part of it. And I can't wait to see a shovel go on the ground. So you're right. There's been a lot of good news announcements over the course of the summer after a tough season and and reasons to be optimistic going forward here in Calgary for all the hockey fans of the Flames.
1: Like I'm sure you remember that game a couple seasons ago where Mika just happened to show up in a suite during the game, and the building <laughs> yeah. lost its mind. Like I'm just trying to imagine what it's going to be like in there March second because the Jerome one was incredible in itself. It's really cool. This is going to yeah. be nuts, right? Like this, this is going they, to be
2: cr- that Jerome one was so well done. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because I know the you know people that put those together. I know yeah. that they're really good at what they do, but it was first class all the way. Mm -hmm. I thought Lanny did an unbelievable job with the narration Mm -hmm. of the video tribute. Like I was watching, I'm watching it in the ring, and I'm going, who's that? It sounds familiar. I go, that's Lanny. (laughs) It was perfect. And it was perfect to have him do it, you know, like passing the torch almost in a way, one of them from, you know, from Lanny to to Jerome in terms of, um, you know, of retiring numbers. Like, uh, so I have no doubt this would be first class and, um, and I can't wait to see it.
1: It's going to be a Mike Vernon narration now, right? Now that I'm thinking about it, it has to be, right? Yeah, <laughs> Should
2: be. yeah. I think Kari Rommel might do it. That's my <laughs> <opinion. Yeah. laughs>
1: going back to the old three headed monster. Ha, oh, boy, yeah. no, those, I, those were the days.
4: Jamie McLennan, let's get noodles. To yeah, do it. hey, yeah. that hey, yeah. I think there's a little bit of a better taste
1: in the mouth with noodles being around for sure. Uh, Rick, appreciate your time today. Enjoy the rest of your summer, man. Hopefully, see you again soon. All right, guys, take care.
0: You're listening to the big show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, SportsNet 960 the Fan.
1: GvP still trying to dry out from Stampede. <laughs> yeah. Got a little country here coming in to uh conclude our show. Yeah, it's Friday. One more segment, and then that's the weekend. Boy, it's been a long week. I'm Hard ex- week. I'm man. exhausted, Hard man. Week. man. Woohoo! It's been a good first day back from my vacation, to say the least. Went quick. Uh, we've had Rick Ball on, we've had John Bender, we had The Morning Report, we've talked a whole bunch of nonsense, Grab the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get pods. But every Friday, we wrap up the week by doing the Speargrass Golf Show. It's brought to you by the Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. Got to go down and see uh, Mitch and Jacob sometime soon here. We go down the guest hotline, talk to our uh, good pal Adam Stanley hello Adam how's it going man
5: Pretty good pretty good how are you guys Oh no
1: complaints uh how are you enjoying the uh early golf with the open this week
5: i i mean time i have a i have a ten month old so mm. time is time is but a social construct for, uh for me right now so the the early is it is it are we waking up early are we still like awake are we napping are we sleeping? <laughs> only only god knows what what time it actually is so the uh the wake ups is yeah, it's not it's not so bad right now we're 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 following along i do i got to say i wish the leaderboard had a little bit more a little bit more juice to it i think some <laughs> a of the, more guys the more i've heard of fellas are, <laughs> yeah guys whose names i can spell yeah. Um, not yeah, i mean as as a writer these are the real important things that i care about but uh <laughs> yeah no it's um it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next 36 holes. I mean, kudos to Brian Harmon. Obviously, he's in the lead, and he's in the lead by a lot, and he's played super well. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see how far back is too far back, and and that's kind of the big question. At least the the question that I'm looking at right now is as we lean into the final 36 holes here. Uh,
1: Royal Liverpool is the site of the Open this year. It's the first time since the 13-14 tournament yeah. when Rory won it. Yeah. Uh, any impressions of the course that have maybe surprised you? Obviously, the, the bunkers and, and we're seeing a lot of guys miss off the tee here. Anything kind of standing out to you about how the course is playing so far?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 fascinating kind of query about the golf course was how were all these new changes going to impact kind of scoring. And the reason I say that is because there was, I think, fifteen changes made to this golf course between 2014 and and, and now and, and most of them were on the back nine obviously the biggest one being uh, 17 uh that hole turned from a par 4 into a par 3 and and the overall par uh, for this golf course changed from a 72 to a 71 so there was a lot of uh, almost unrecognizable golf holes for even the guys who played in in 2014 i i think that the Fact that there hasn't been you know there's been wins, but there hasn't really been that you know I'm leaning over my umbrella trying to hold myself up kind of wind is really why we've kind of got to this scoring point on the golf course. Uh, to this point in the, in the tournament. I think I, I checked the weather forecast and it looks like it's going to be rainy and a little blustery uh, over the next two days. So we may see, you know, some guys kind of come back to, uh, to even par versus, versus how deep they've gone. You know, I think the golf course is just that classic links, uh, not even link style. It's a true links golf course. Uh, I think uh, the, the head of the RNA said it was a little bit too green for his liking and wished <laughs> it would be, you know, a little bit more Brown heading into uh, this week, which is kind of obviously a, a total opposite commentary, that we get from most of the other major championships, but um, it's still got that, that real kind of quirky hump and bump kind of situation unfolding. You know, look at Corey Connors uh, one day after the other, Corey looks like he's going to make the cut on 18 yesterday. um, You know, he was a yard, maybe two yards off uh, heading in, in his approach to the green. He ends up in the rough and has to scramble and kind of he doesn't have a great result there, but today, you know, he kind of skirts a fairway bunker by again, by one yard on the good side ends up making birdie gets the two over and, uh, and we'll find the weekend. So such as links golf, um, you know, the guys who are trying to embrace that as best as possible are, are scoring well. And that's kind of the nature of this golf course as well.
4: Adam, uh, like we mentioned off the top, there's some names up at the top that we uh, we don't hear a lot about. Uh, obviously, there's uh, there's the guy from India there. There's uh, Antoine Rosner from France. Uh, then yesterday's round one leader who completely fell off the the planet. It seems Christo Lamprecht who finished <laughs> there's five over right now. Uh, yeah. But just like how like overall six eight. I know six eight. Like how he's a, like he's a big man. What did you make of his swing? Because I know we watched this thing. Like that's not right. That's not <laughs> no, That looks I, awkward. And then I, I find out. He's six eight. He's bloody Zidane Chara out there, but uh, just, yeah. <laughs> like just like with the guys out there, and then the big names, obviously like Jordan Spieth's up there, Jason Day's hanging around there. But uh, overall, how do you think this weekend is going to shake out? Will the big names rise up as we get to get to Sunday?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, a, that's a fabulous question, if only because that is the beauty of a major championship and an open major championship. I mean, you've got guys qualifying from all parts of the world, such as golf, you know, it's a global game, and anyone who's you know got a certain handicap can, can try to apply and, and make their way through uh, all of the qualifications. And then, of course, we've got the best in the world who are still uh, a part of this field, too. So um, that's kind of why after Thursday anyone can shoot five under, and, and that exact same person can shoot five over the next day and we're off to the races after that so funny thing about um Lempric, the 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 guys guys six eight
3: mm-hmm. this,
5: he was asked 27 questions in his first round interview <laughs> yesterday and the second question was what size is your shoe so i know that he is a 13 in shoe size <laughs> that's about all i uh <laughs> you, you needs some big water skis to, to be stable <laughs> with that golf swing of his which is awesome i mean again individualistic game such as golf we're just kind of seeing any way of doing it will work no matter what kind of gorgeous action you have or kind of turbulent action you have you can still end up doing it so i think the specifically for me what i'm curious about seeing is the guys who are in the mix currently but have never either won the pga tour certainly never been in a mix at a major over the weekend you know are they going to fall and then are we going to see um Jordan Spieth, I think he's he's right in there. Uh, Wyndham Clark, who of course won the u s Open. Uh, is he gonna kind of do his thing? You know, Rory at one under. Brooks Kepka is also at one under. I think just before jumping on this call. I saw those two guys, and I'm thinking, yeah. all right they're they're nine back right now but is Brian Harmon going to open the door this weekend or is Rory going to shoot 66 tomorrow or is Brooks kind of, you know, kind of circle in the water, like the shark that he is at major championships. So um, yeah, that's, that's the neat thing about where we're at. We're at, and especially with an open championship at a links golf course, kind of anything can happen. And um, I don't think anyone who's in red figures heading into tomorrow to answer your question in a very roundabout way. uh, I don't think that they're completely out of it.
1: I want to get back to the tall guy because it's fun to watch. Uh Christo Lampreg, he's 6 foot 8. I think Patty was saying the last person who was like even remotely as tall as him was back in the 60s and he was yeah. like 6 foot 6. But like I think of John Rahm being a big golfer <laughs> and he's 6 foot 2. Why don't we see more large dudes out there swinging the club at the pro level?
5: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. <laughs> um and and maybe just because they uh, they play other sports, perhaps, or <laughs> they or they can't quite you know, get the equipment to be dialed into mm. you know just their physical stature, and that's probably why uh, Lampreck's golf swing is so unique. And I would almost classify it as awkward mm. because the way that he swings, he has to. There's a lot of moving bits and bites that need to all be timed appropriately. That's kind of why hockey players hit it a long way, but also like totally off the planet because, you know, they are not used to, you know, timing themselves appropriately to be powerful and accurate as, as much as they need to be sort of on the golf course. I think obviously the, um, you know, the slap shot or wrist shot or or whatever it may be there, there's obviously still some uh, some weight transfer in there, but at six foot eight um, that's a big man trying to make a lot of moving parts of a body and a golf club have to be timed every single time to be really, really good, and that's uh, that's going to be a challenge, no matter how tall you are. But um, all the money in my bank account for a Lamprecht Brian Harmon pairing to just bear witness to the two of them as Brian Harmon, I think stands a stout five foot eight. So it would be a pretty interesting pairing to see just, the two of them just together on the weekend. Foot. Yeah, that oh would my. be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be a nice pairing. Uh, and Lamprec's going to have to get a little bit higher up the board, I think, if that's going to happen. But nevertheless, hey, uh, only a couple Canadians in the field. Nick Taylor had a rough one today. He was four over. He's now six over. Corey Connors even. He's two over, so he's 12 strokes back of the lead. Maybe just a thought on what we're seeing from the Canadians and and just for the rest of the season. This is the last major, but, of course, the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs are going to get going pretty quick here as well.
5: Yeah, um, it kind of, you know, as someone who obviously covers the Canadians for a living and has been to, to the other majors, it was kind of almost jarring to see how few Canadians were teeing it up this week. We had uh, four at the Masters, tied for the most ever, uh, five at the PGA, which uh, which was the most ever, and seven at the U.S. Open, again, tied for the most ever. So to see only two Canadians uh, in the field at the British, kind of weird. I think what ended up happening was they the RNA had changed some of the qualification, uh, allowed more guys from the Asian Tour in, uh, and then bumped up the kind of qualifying series spots from 11 to almost 20. So uh, in years past, I think we would have for sure had Adam Hadwin in the field. Uh, he was second alternate, and I think for sure Mackenzie Hughes would have gotten in the field as well. But you know, such as uh, such as life, and and for Nick Taylor, uh, like you said, obviously kind of a tough two days. But this was his British Open Open Championship debut. Uh, he had not played all that much sort of competitive PGA Tour level Lynx golf up to this point. You know, obviously embraced the uh, the opportunity, uh, but you know, obviously just a, a ton of unique and different things uh, when it comes to links golf. So I'm sure he'll he'll be back. Uh, I got to play with Phil Mickelson who apparently told him you know he he yeah. watched uh, nick end up winning uh, the canadian open uh, along with everyone else which was pretty neat um and then cory yeah i mean Corey's uh, cory's funny when it comes to lynx golf because you think that the way that his game is built elite of the elite ball strikers just knows exactly what it takes to to hit the ball well it just doesn't jive all that great with lynx golf because not to say that cory isn't creative, but Corey is with his actuary mathematics degree is a lot more calculated. And when it's like I hit that ball better than anyone on the planet and I hit this particular shot so so good and yet I'm still like totally stymied. Like why I don't I don't like that. I don't I don't quite get it. Hmm. So I think Corey is it's kind of a bit of an enigma for him uh, to play Lynx golf, just because he's not wired that particular way. Uh, but a couple of nice breaks today, and, and obviously a couple, uh, a handful of birdies over the last two days, and he's uh, gonna find the weekend on uh, at another major.
4: Adam, I don't think I've ever heard your uh, opinion on this, but uh, they, obviously the Open Championship is the uh, is golf's final major for the calendar year, and they've obvi- obviously made the FedEx Cup playoffs uh, into more of an event, more of a marquee tournaments and and whatnot. But do you miss that uh, that the PGA Championship isn't in August? That we don't have one more major to get us through to the end of the summer?
5: Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I think the, the FedEx Cup playoffs still provide viewers with kind of a a best on best scenario, obviously take the, the live golf situation kind of out of it. But when you talk about uh, the playoffs and compare it to quite literally any other sport, you take the best teams, the best guys who've had the best body of work over the last 10 months, and you put them all together and see who comes out on top. And um, I I think that the structure of the FedEx cup playoffs over the last dozen years or so Mm. continues to be a bit of a question mark. Like, we we know that at its crux that's what it is the best players from the season gone by yeah. will play down to try to find the number one guy from the season that was but you know the, the tour championship starting one guy at 10 under and other guys way down and figuring all out and the prize monies and all this stuff it's kind of it's been kind of weird so mm-hmm. i do wish that there was an anchor a singular anchor big time tournament yeah, a finale and yeah a, 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 a small m major finale that allowed for us to give you know that quite literal glory's last shot yeah um, you know versus some of the guys skip one of the playoff events now yeah. you know and it's just not the uh it's just not the same and, and obviously with the the elimination of guys as the uh, playoff yep. structure goes on you know we may not see all of the best of the best by the time we get to east lake and the and the tour championship perfect example Justin Thomas, Justin yeah. Thomas, who has struggled mightily at the majors this year, he's he's not even inside the top seventy-five right now. He might not even make the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, whereas, if we had a major championship, certainly if we had a PGA, uh, Justin, uh, having won that twice, he would uh, he'd be in that field, and and we've had the opportunity to see one of the best players in the world get after it. So. Yeah, I, I think that it is missed that there's not that finale, that anchor finale. Um, but again, that's, that's not what playoffs are. Yeah, yeah the
1: old uh, one of us 82 in his first round really threw him yeah. off, eh?
5: <laughs> yes. Jo- shocking, to be honest. Like yeah. Very, very odd run at the majors for Justin Thomas' this year. And now, big question mark about the Ryder Cup. He's been playing yeah. so poorly. He's not in the team on points. Uh, what does the cap? if the captain picks him with the classic old boys club, we haven't moved on from that. If he doesn't pick him, you know, you're leaving a, a top 20 golfer in the world and really a, a team stalwart off of the team uh, for this year. And, and he kind of finds another gear for the Ryder cup. So uh, yeah, that'll be a fascinating thing to see. Uh, especially with all the live guys and, and et cetera, yeah. you know, post we're talking about post FedEx Cup now. We get into the Ryder Cup season. You know, who's going to be on that team and who isn't? That, that's that's going to be kind of a fun thing to follow along. He might be,
1: he might be a guy that needs sponsor exemptions to play in elevated events next year.
5: Right. Yes, I had just read that this morning as well, and you kind of think to yourself, like, whoa, wait yeah, right? A how we how, will we, how will we find ourselves in this scenario, you know. Wild.
1: Uh, Adam, always appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the golf, and uh, we'll chat soon,
5: hey? Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: Go. Adam Stanley, Alice Pizza and Sports Barcast. Hotline on the Speargrass Golf Show. It's brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course. Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience. Just 30 clicks southeast of the city. Uh, it's been four weeks plus since I last golfed. You got to get out there. I, you- got, the, I got the itch. You got the itch. I, got the, I can't itch too much because my no. skin is peeling. It's yeah, disgusting, no. but apart from that, I got the itch.
4: Well, it's a beautiful weekend if you can find some time.
1: I um, I'm going to go Saturday. Oh, there with you go. My cousin. There you go. me. There I'm you very go. Very excited for that. Enjoy. Mm, thank you. Hey, we had a couple things I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some texts on uh, self-imposed injuries that are very stupid. We yep. have a few of those that I want to get to. Uh, we have our weekly bloopers, which... Have these been a hit? We did one right before I left. I didn't then... play... We forgot to play last
4: week's uh, with Cam on the boards. Uh, it was Class- on me. I was supposed to play at the 9. I was supposed to play in the 9, and I forgot. Because um, our 8.30 last week was jammed. Mm. Um... But yeah, no, no. It's, I think it's been a hit. I've enjoyed it. I don't know if the, the I haven't heard much from the
1: text hey, line. The most important thing is that you and I enjoy. it. Exactly, That's I, all I've enjoyed really making managed. it. So well, yeah, well, there. That's three of us. That's enough to keep the segment going. Yeah. I think, right. Yeah, That's I think pretty. so too. Um, the other thing we want to talk about is there's this Alberta auction on the go that just kind of <laughs> caught, caught news a little bit. Uh, Zom, you shared this with me yesterday because the. The Alberta government for some reason had a Donair costume, a mascot, a
6: Donair mascot costume. Yeah.
1: The Alberta government anthropomorphic had it. Donair. Yeah. So, yeah.
6: the reason they have it was it was a prop for an advertisement advertisement campaign which they no longer require.
1: Well, no no duh. Like how does a Donair
4: advertise Alberta? Feels like they used it during their COVID commercials.
6: Maybe. I'm Maybe sure they used...
4: Sure remember those Alberta commercials? I wonder what, what other mascots they had. That, oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't have some very terrifying ones. <laughs> they were like some of the cannabis gummy yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. These are more humorous <laughs> than terrifying,
1: but that's fine. Um, so they have the bid up, and the thing's gone a little bit viral. Um, obviously, there's a lot of donair shops in Alberta. It's yeah. not the home of the donair. That's a lot of Atlantic Canada. But nevertheless, yeah. there's a lot of donair shops, out there, and a lot of them want... This costume to the point <laughs> that the auction yesterday when you showed it to me was just over seven grand.
6: Yes. That would what be, is it at now? It is this is cur- less than twenty-four hours apart. Yes, it is now at ten thousand five hundred and five dollars. I mean ten
1: grand <laughs> for a stinky donaire mascot costume. And we got Primetime Donaire leading. Primetime
6: Donaire is leading. Shout so out Primetime Donaire. And, and there is still are. twenty-four days in this oh auction. God. this
4: thing's going to get over 30,000 24 000. days This thing's going to get over 30,000
6: $10,000 August 14th. It started on uh, uh, July 14th and will end on August 14th.
1: At what point are the corporations going to get involved and start throwing some money down because no offense but like how many mom and pop don't air shops have, have yeah. 10 a yeah. sh- yeah. uh, 10 grand Just hanging around chuck out for a don't air costume like
4: like the advertising, I guess, but like it's a donair. We get it. Well, like, but at the know, same like, time, nobody
1: cares how much you paid yeah, for it. Nobody cares about it. Like if you're out in front of your store, you're in a donaire cost and I'm like, Okay, neat, but like you probably could have got the same thing online I bet, for I, like
4: I bet you could find somebody to make you one for less than that.
1: Yeah, of course you could. <laughs> And the only the only silly <laughs> point is that the Alberta government had it. Like,
4: what does that move the needle? And like, I, I hope they like a lot of people are calling this money to get donated to charity in the end because like it's
6: not going to get well. well the funniest to part was uh, is yeah, that the last two bids it's going to get turned into five dollars. Yeah, that was sure. It. it went from ten thousand five hundred to ten thousand five
1: hundred five. It's going to be a slow. It's going to get turned into a uh, Jameson up on the old balcony up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Is yeah. that what it was? Oh, it's well whiskey. It's not fancy. <laughs> okay, sick. That was a fun time. Uh, oh, All right. So if you got you know fifteen grand around, yeah. you want a air costume that was previously owned by the government of Alberta. <laughs> we got your link, bro. What a weird place. Um, we also wanted to get into this. Um, after Jared Kelinek, uh outfielder for the Seattle Mariners, having a great season. Twenty-four yeah. year old. Struck out in the bottom of the ninth. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say this bottom. But he struck out in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Didn't agree with the call. Gave a water cooler a swift boot. Yeah, I do that time. What Do you ever fracture I've your foot? I've never
4: fractured my foot.
1: He fractured his foot, and he's going to miss a whole bunch of time. Might be done for the rest of the year. Oh. Uh, as a result, we were asking the text line, what is a self-imposed injury that could have been easily avoided that had occurred to you? We have a few uh, entries. Shan, on the other side. Yeah, we've got we've got four right now. All right, let's get text You make Texterson reading these. Let's go.
0: Richard in Evanston. In my 20s, I was cast in a lead role of a play and had to master an accent. The night before opening night, I decided to have some pops and play ball hockey with the boys. I'm a goalie. Played through the night with no bucket. Took a stick to the face, point 12 stitches to the lip and chin. Ooh. No amount of stage makeup was hiding it. Good times. <laughs> you know, it, it, as long as you had fun... And then you had fun in the play. That's what matters, dude. This
1: is just disappointing because I bet he would have been a Hollywood A-lister. Oh, right? yeah, now. yeah, that
4: was just probably there could have been scouts in the crowd watching. Like, oh, this guy, yeah, this is the next scouts sc- in
1: the crowd for
4: sure. Yeah, like, talent scouts. I like how he threw and he had to learn yeah. an accent for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that's not really relevant <laughs> I, I don't to the think, story. I is it? I <laughs> had to master an unless, accent. like his lip was so mangled <laughs> and that he couldn't do it that anymore. That he couldn't do his accent. Yeah, anymore. he could maybe, maybe. All right, next one.
0: Harold in Calgary. I took a ball in the twig and berries without a cup as a goalie and had to go to the hospital and have a doctor dig up and pull one of my testicular out of the Ah! pelvis cavity. Giving birth? Not even close.
1: No. Well, okay, I'm not going to go that far. But, um, ow. That sucked. And yeah, avoidable. Could have been. But oof. Like, I I gotta assume a jock is kind of something, a, a good place to start moving forward. Yeah always protect those guys always, always protect
4: twig- even if it's bears. uncomfortable those things are not comfortable at all well, you gotta, do, not, it you gotta not, do
1: it you gotta do it they're not comfortable but you know what's really uncomfortable is having a doctor <laughs> yes that's very good pop that thing out just fish hook it out oh okay next one yeah that's enough
0: dan in concora i don't tell too many people about <laughs> this one i missed a putt and when i went to smack it off the green into the woods the putter whipped around the flagpole and smacked me in my lip. I went to the car, cleaned up the cut, and finished the round. Dumb. Ooh.
1: I don't know. Um, Golf can make you angry. Yeah. I like that he went and cleaned himself up in his car and then went back. Like, I wonder what the time was to get the, the fixings done.
4: Yeah, pace of play, man. Come yeah, on. Like, pace of yeah, play, We're, we're, right? right. we're on, on the pro- 13th, probably had man. to skip
1: a couple of holes there as a result. Yeah. like uh, um, The parking lot's probably far away. I've never really hurt myself golfing, but that would be unfortunate. I wouldn't like to do that very no. much. And come home with a big puffy lip. You'd have to like lie and be like, oh, I had to scrap the guy behind me. You hit into me, and <laughs> I just scrap him. <laughs> Instead of saying that my putter attacks me. You should see
0: the other guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Let's go.
0: Bert in Calgary. I slipped on a base plate of a long line of pipe and drape, then wow. I spun myself around and did the rake trick and slammed my foot <laughs> down on the plate to avoid the whole drape line falling. It came back hard right into my forehead and split my head open. <laughs> Looked like a Klingon for a month. You just sideshow bobbed a rake.
1: <laughs> Looked like a Klingon. I yeah. like a good Star Trek uh, reference. Yeah. Pandaran. Nice. Uh, we have nothing to give away, but those are all good. Thanks yeah. for thank participating. you for participating. Yes, it. I don't know if any of them beat when John Bender ruptured his belly button doing yeah. a five hundred pound yeah. deadlift. And he becomes an Audi. That's
4: a little messed <laughs> up and not by your cho- you know not by your choice.
1: Wait, when is that ever by choice? Wow,
4: well, some people are like oh I don't like my belly button in, and they have it surgically to people have it brought opt out for an Audi. Oh, yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's gonna be the yeah. other way around. Plastic surgery is messed up. Why would you opt for the Audi? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just confused. That's like when
1: <laughs> I went to the dentist and I was like, "Yeah, my front two teeth are kind of getting a little far apart." And she's like, "Well, people actually pay for that nowadays." And I was like, "That's very kind of you to say," <laughs> but like you don't you don't have to do that. You don't have to pander to me because I've got can, you can shoot a pocky puck through my yeah. two front teeth. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's the show. We got plays of the week. We did a great job, everybody. We came in. We. We were all here. We stayed awake for the whole show. We didn't swear. No. Nope. I think we get to come back on Monday. I'll be here. We'll have a special guest host coming in. We will. An old friend of the station. We will. Coming back for a week. Yeah. While George is away. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah, get the guy out of right. here. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> Go to your sundowner. Spe- <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of George, apparently he makes a, an appearance or two. He'll be making more appearances. He'll be, he'll join in, you in, in two weeks. No, in the in all the, oh, the blooper reel. reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty George. Very it's very Russell George forward. based. Yeah, I love it. Let's go. All right, boys, have a great weekend, and, and ladies, see your friends. Bye bye.
7: So it's ballsack? No, it's not. <laughs> he got you. Is it ballsack? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs>
7: Ball sack. Okay, keep your pants on. And I inhaled
3: it. I don't feel good.
7: You should just have a journal. This- Mine just says meow 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 over and over again.
3: Meow 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 meow
7: meow. As long as it gets you to where you want to get. So my uh, my boyfriend lost in five sets. This is why we're stupid. Like, as-, as, we differ- as a human no, race. No 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 no. no, uh, no us in oh, general oh, on this show. Okay. This is this is why we we work in radio and we make no money. Yeah.
3: Show me the money.
7: Just go. Money makes money, and that's why we don't have any of it, because we're dumb. Dope. Right? GVP, when I just laid out that scenario, don't you like, oh my God, that would have been a great idea.
4: Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%.
7: No, but we're idiots, because we don't have that foresight.
4: (laughs) It's very fair. Like, 10xing my net worth would have been nice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It would be beautiful. It would be beautiful. Because we're dumb.
7: Can I tell you there's times where I can't wait to get to work to talk about stupid stuff?
4: Yeah, I mean Mondays and Tuesdays. I probably guess not for what... me, but like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm all <laughs> Thanks, game. Thanks, Patrick. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> 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 gotta get to Artie boy for. Uh, I gotta for work sales. on Artie boy. Artie boy.
7: Oh, Artie boy. Artie boy. Okay, I'm a little bit fruity, but I love the creamer. Ball sack. Ball sack. <laughs> Ball sack. Ball sack. Ball sack. Ball oh sack. You know how God. passionate I am about my man, uh, my boyfriend. Bring
6: those bad boys back and legends.
7: Go. Hey, I get my hot tub about 103 and get my Gatorade. That guy's
4: just a pepa spirit. I also don't want them. Excuse me, I'm dying here. Whoa. I'm a little sensual.
2: I'm already a bit of a sweaty dude. Coach goes, Steve, you're in. Whatever you do, do not shoot the basketball. <laughs> he, he, drew, he takes one step over center court and fires up a Hail Mary. Oh, no.
3: <laughs> Why?
7: Uh, we're live in Ballsack. Sports at 960, the fan.